the coronavirus response in our city and in our schools. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jarrett, can you hear me? I can, Ben. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Well, I mean, worried and uh, yeah. and way too busy. But uh, other than that, I have nothing to complain about. How about you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, obviously, relative to a lot of what people are dealing with, uh, things are going okay here. Uh, figuring out uh, care for a three-year-old and uh, continuing to do our work at Gotham Gazette. And uh and you know, plugging along, and and it's a strange new reality. Um, obviously, uh, very different from those on the front lines of the public health battle, but uh, you know, just a, a strange new reality. Um, basically, staying away from people as much as possible, and indoors a lot, and uh, and a very different new New York uh, these days. How about yourself? Uh, totally. Today, I went to the city limits office for the first time since March 12th to uh, get some documents I needed, and I wore rubber gloves to do so, and it felt like I was investigating a crime scene or something as I pawed right. through the, the papers. Uh, and, and it's interesting that you set it up that way because, to some degree, this show is going to come full circle in in only a few weeks, it seems, uh, since March 4th when we had Mark Levine, the city council health committee chairman on the show to talk about what at that point seemed like a distant and kind of um, faint possibility of a major emergency here, this coronavirus crisis. He's going to be on again to talk about what he thinks about the city response so far, where he thinks the next step will be, uh, and what's going to happen in years to come along the lines of these sorts of pandemic issues. And then Ben will be having someone on to talk not about three-year-olds, but about older children like my nine-year-old and my 16-year-old dealing with uh, online schooling and this massive experiment going on of having basically a million school children at home learning online and many, many more at our uh, colleges and and, uh, graduate schools. Yeah, it's really quite an experiment, obviously, for foisted on people who uh, nobody wanted this. Um, but uh, we're going to hear at 530 from Alex Zimmerman, who is one of the uh, great reporters from Chalkbeat New York, a great education focused uh, publication. And Chalkbeat has, of course, been covering every inch of uh, the decision to close city schools and then the ramp up uh, really just in in essence, in a week's time, although they had a little more time than that to start really preparing for this, but the ramp up to the remote learning process and then the first few days of how it's gone. And we'll talk to Alex not only about his uh, and his his colleagues reporting at Chalkbeat about how all that has gone and the process to get there. Um, they've had some great reporting just about anecdotes of how it's gone for different teachers, different parents uh, doing some great reporting on that. But then also, you know, the city opened dozens of these enrichment centers for people to drop off um, their their youngsters who are the essential workers like healthcare workers and transit workers. Um, so any feel that the Chalkbeat folks have for what's going on there and then just sort of the larger ramifications of shutting down schools for what is very likely going to be the rest of the school year. Now that decision hasn't been firmly made by the mayor or the governor yet, but um, you know it certainly looks like we're heading close to that, if not fully through the end of this school year, that it will be uh, an all remote learning uh, reality for city schools and teachers and children. So we'll get his take on what that means. We've obviously got major decisions related to uh, standardized tests that usually happen in the spring and grading and graduations and promotions and all sorts of things that are at stake here. 
Uh, so we'll, we'll talk schooling and students and teachers and everything else um, with Alex at 530. And just for folks who obviously are, it's hard to keep track of the story, to follow all the developments. It's breaking out all over the world. We heard on the news just a moment ago here on WBAI about the horrible situation developing in Spain. Obviously, here we thankfully are not seeing deaths in those numbers, but the latest numbers are that we have at least about 18,000 cases. That will certainly be more by the time we get the next update, 199 deaths. And perhaps as distressingly, nearly 3,000 people in the hospital and, and roughly 700 in intensive care. And that's what we were dealing with at uh, roughly 10 o'clock this morning. And the hospital numbers come from last night. So, And that's from you know a week ago uh, when we were seeing those numbers in, in much smaller batches. Um, yeah. It's a, an amazing explosion of cases. And you know the question obviously has always been not just the sheer number of cases, but the timing and whether they were going to begin overwhelming the health system. And there are conflicting, I think, reports about that. Mayor de Blasio is supposed to come out to talk to the press. It's scheduled for 4, 5.45, so immediately following our program, um, assuming the mayor uh, shows up around around the time it's scheduled for, and he'll update those numbers and where we stand. Uh, and it, it's interesting, Ben, you go to a lot more mayoral press conferences than I do, but each time I tune into one over the past couple weeks, it's with a certain sense of dread, and that's not anything to do with how I feel about the mayor. It's just knowing that the news is almost never going to be good. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, people are starting to really certainly feel the gravity of what's setting in. And, and we know that, um, you know, things are starting to get uh, pretty bad when you look at the larger scope of things. Um, and certainly City Council Member Levine, who's going to join us shortly, will talk about this from his perch as the as the chair of the health committee of the city council. And he's been extremely uh, active and vocal, uh, especially on social media. Folks should follow him on Twitter, um, you know, sort of giving his assessment, uh, surveying experts and such about how the city and state should be approaching this. And, you know, the gravity of the situation is setting in. But, you know, um, it's going to get uh, all indications and warnings are that it's going to get a lot worse um, before it gets better. And, and the, the mayor and the governor have been sounding this alarm for a little while now. And certainly I think it takes people to really see these numbers tick up in big ways to to really get a sense of that. And the reporting that's coming out of how certain hospitals are starting to be overwhelmed and, and real need for, for both just hospital space generally and also, of course, the ICU space and the ventilators, which have become such a key issue and product in all this. And we've seen a lot of discussion and wrangling among the president and the governor and the mayor about ventilators and those being so key to fighting um, the worst cases of this virus. Um, you know, I, I will say that as we've seen things from other countries, um, you know, I started to sort of expect that we were going to be in this place fairly quickly. I mean, you know, the mayor and the governor were also early on saying it's only a matter of time before uh, this new coronavirus comes to New York and New York being an international hub and New York City being such a dense place. Um, it seemed, you know, all, all but certain that we were going to be in a position like this, but there's a lot of steps along the way here to try to mitigate the spread and the impact. And a lot of that now comes down to hospital capacity and the ventilators and, uh, you know, trying to get all the people the, the care they need in acute situations. Absolutely true. And uh, we're waiting for our first guest, who is City Council Member 
Mark Levine to come on and talk to us. He's the health committee chair. He also was reporting earlier this week that he had, and he said this on Twitter, so it's not a secret, uh, some symptoms that he thought might be uh, coronavirus. I don't know where that stands, but he's also been uh, an interesting and I think well-informed voice on this, asking some some questions about the response and and you know, highlighting some some good areas of the performance and alerting us to areas where maybe we wanted to be more thoughtful. A lot of difficult decisions uh, in terms of uh, uh, testing, who should get it, when we should get it, when the focus should be on testing versus assuming everyone has it and to take appropriate measures therein. Uh, and then thinking, of course, about what's going to happen now. Uh, not just over the next couple of weeks, but longer term in the city. And and the question of, of this threat that we've been exposed to now of these large pandemics, is this just a once in a hundred year event like the Spanish flu was uh, a century ago? Or is because of changes in the climate, uh, our use of antibiotics, uh, globalization, uh, the melting of borders, whatever you want to call it, is this going to become something that we have to deal with more Frequently, those are among the things we hope to talk with him about. Yeah, and, and first and foremost, as you mentioned, you know, Councilmember Levine tweeted the other day that he seemed to be coming down with some of the typical symptoms of uh, COVID nineteen, the new coronavirus. Uh, he quickly stated that you know, based on everything that he's been tweeting with a lot of energy behind it, um, that he would not be immediately seeking a test because he's not in one of the most vulnerable populations for it to become acute quickly. Um, so we want to know how he's doing and hopefully he'll be able to get patched in and, and join us soon. And obviously his health will be the number one question we have for him. But then as he did in his own announcement to folks that he was having these symptoms, you know, we'll quickly tie it to the larger of who should be getting tested right now. Uh, are we doing enough testing at this point? I mean, New York has really ramped up testing and that is actually, I think, giving people... Um, almost a false sense in two ways of what's happening with coronavirus, both around the country and in New York. Um, you know, there's there, New York is doing a lot more testing, it seems, than um, anywhere else in the country, including uh, California, for example. And, you know, it's, it's, it's showing people that the virus is very widespread, which I think is in some ways helpful in getting people to take this very seriously. Um, and that would help with implementing really the uh, the social uh, distancing rules and the business closure rules and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's also, I think, giving people a little bit of a, of a sense that um, almost in some ways that, that things are, are worse than they are. Um, but we'll get, we'll get Council Member Levine's, um, you know, take on a lot of that right now. And uh, that's a perfect cue for us to bring on our first guest, who is Mark Levine. He's a city council member from the 7th District in Northern Manhattan and the chair of the Council's Committee on Health. Councilmember Levine, welcome back to Max and Murphy. Thank you. It's good to be back. First and foremost, as Ben mentioned, uh, you noted a couple of days ago on social media that you were starting to feel some symptoms of what might have been the illness we're all talking about. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling? Well, thank you. I am starting to feel better today. Um, uh, not so great the last couple of days. As I mentioned, um, I have symptoms consistent with the coronavirus, which are fever and cough, dry cough. Um, so I am presuming that I do indeed have it. Since I'm getting better at this point, I don't feel the need to seek medical attention. Um, if I had continued to get worse, 
I certainly would not have hesitated, but I appear to be lucky and uh, either have a fairly mild case of coronavirus or, or a traditional flu. But either way, I'm doing what everyone needs to do in this circumstance, which is shelter at home, isolate from your family, rest, hydrate, uh, take medication for your cough and fever. And um, in most cases, uh, as appears to be happening with me, you'll get better without needing medical care. So, so say, uh, Council Member, we're, we're glad to hear you're feeling a little better um, and, and hope that continues. Say, say a little bit more about what the sort of general guidelines that you're um, giving people based on information from the city health commissioner and many other experts. Right now, what are the general guidelines for people who start right. to feel uh, symptoms like you did? Well, the big picture here, and I know we're going to talk about it, is that we're facing the total overrunning of our hospital system. And so we have to preserve every element of that system for people who are the most sick, who really are in dire peril. And uh, that in part means that those who have mild versions of coronavirus need to ride it out at home until things get more serious. What does that mean? In practice, um, Folks who just have fever and cough um, are are advised to simply rest at home until such time as they have difficulty breathing or if they don't get better after three or four days. At that point, you should contact the doctor. And um, if you don't feel that you're in crisis, you should do that via phone or telemedicine. But there have, over the last couple of weeks, been too many people in the ER red mild symptoms and it's becoming a bigger and bigger burden on the healthcare system when they do have now uh, a large and growing number of patients who really are in, in quite critical condition. So council member, we had you on the show on March 4th, it seems like eons ago. Uh, since then, how do you evaluate how the city and the mayor especially has done in reacting to this crisis? Obviously there's a lot of hindsight there are a lot of things we're going to learn that will change what we think we should have done based on having that additional information. But based on what we did know at the time, do you th- see any missteps, any areas where we could have done better? How do you size up how we have done as a city so far? Well, I'm, I'm definitely more interested in looking forward than looking backwards because we're still in the midst of this crisis. Uh, I guess I'll say that um, we probably agonized too much on all the decisions to shut down and enforce social distancing, um, beginning with the decision to cancel the St. Patrick's Day Parade, which in retrospect, uh, it seems almost quaint that we needed to deliberate over that decision. Um, On testing, uh, we were victims of the national delay in gaining testing capacity and distributing it to the states and to cities. And so when um, testing really could have been important to containing this early on. We were not up to speed on that. Unfortunately, in my opinion, then the pendulum swung too far in the other direction and we began over-testing people who um, didn't need it. And that meant that thousands of New Yorkers were leaving their homes with mild symptoms when they should have been resting at home and in the process potentially exposing other people on the way or at these testing sites. And that other New Yorkers who were worried they might have been sick 
but if he hadn't yet contracted the virus, could have ironically been infected at one of these testing sites. And the important thing to point out on that is that there's just no useful, actionable information in a test result for a patient who's not so sick that they are hospitalized or they have some special pre-existing complication because there's no medicine for coronavirus. This isn't like the flu where you can get a Tamiflu prescription. The advice is stay home and rest and getting a test result doesn't change that. So to think that we're sending people out into the city to get information which doesn't actually help them, um, it's pretty misguided. Now the city health department at this point, beginning several days ago, has been pretty forceful. They sent out a health alert to all the um, health practitioners in the city, uh, very forcefully advising against the promotion, advertising, or encouragement of outpatient services, of outpatient testing. That's actually their language. And so I think that has um, uh, corrected course on that some, but I do fear that um, we unintentionally uh, accelerated the spread over the last week or two because of this. So what's the um, what's the biggest need right now? What are the what are the top things that you're thinking about in terms of New York City? Um, you know, from everything we're getting told by the um, by the governor, by the mayor, by health officials, um, and then you know news reports out of hospitals. You know, we're starting to really see the healthcare system be overwhelmed. Um, the governor's talking about a, a pretty stark need for ventilators. The mayor's been talking about that too. They both seem to be sort of trying to figure out any which way to get them um, with a little bit of early success, a, a bit of early success, especially apparently the governor being able to purchase about 7,000 and then get another 4,000 or so from the federal government. Um, but what are you thinking about in terms of the most significant needs either from um, you know, sort of the city society in general, uh, individual people, and and sort of the healthcare system. Well, in line with what, with what I mentioned on testing, I think we need to stop focusing so much on these exquisitely detailed hour by hour reports on how many people have been tested and how many have tested positive. Um, we need to keep our eye on one place only, and that is hospitals. That is the battlefield. In fact, because we have pulled back on outpatient testing, we'll probably, actually I believe you already are seeing a reduction in the number of new cases confirmed a day. That actually doesn't tell us much useful. The number we have to watch is the number of hospital admissions, and that number is rising. It's at 2850 as of last night, 2,850 people who have been admitted to hospital with um, coronavirus. And that number appears to be doubling about every four days. I think there's been some dispute on the pace of growth and whether it's actually growing more slowly. But folks I talked to in the health department, that's their calculus, that it's doubling every four days. Um, and that about a quarter of the people who are hospitalized are in intensive care. And we don't actually have data on ventilator usage for corona patients, unfortunately, but I think you can probably assume it roughly corresponds to the number of people who are in ICU. But if that keeps doubling every four days, you, th you think in a week or so, um, uh, we, we are really going to be in a very, very difficult position. 
Um, I'm not sure I would say today that the system is overwhelmed. I'm not sure I'd quite use that word. I might say it's under strain. Um, certainly, uh, the staff in, in ER and ICU are, are being pushed pretty hard right now. Shift, shifts are getting longer and, and people are being called in for more shifts per week. Uh, but I think for now the system is holding uh, pretty well. I think that um, there's been some infusion of supplies, uh, personal protective equipment in the last couple of days from a combination of sources. Um, there's been some federal been some federal shipments of, which have started to arrive. Um, there have been a lot of private uh, suppliers which have just stepped up and gotten in touch directly with the cities. Um, either the city's emergency management or, or state resources. And um, we're even, it's kind of incredible, we're even producing some of this locally at some of the industrial sites, uh, in the Navy Yard, for example, where you have some retooling um, and, and they're producing um, serviceable versions of things like face shields. Uh, so I, I, think, I think that we have avoided the day-to-day crisis in, in protective equipment shortages, though clearly as this grows, supplies are going to run out. Um, we certainly don't have months' worth of supplies. That's uh, probably more like uh, a week or two, and uh, we should still be very concerned about that. Ventilators is tougher. That's, that's uh, not the kind of thing a factory in Brooklyn is going to retool to produce, and uh, I think that's much more of a concern long-term for all of us. Um, you've heard reports that there's a couple of thousand which are now on the way from the feds. Uh, the state secured some. Some of, some of what the state has secured is going to take a while to get here. It's from suppliers all over the world. That's something that we, we certainly need to watch. You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked the question of what all of us can do because it is really important that we rethink our relationship to the healthcare system during this period. Um, we're, we're used to, as people who live in a fairly advanced society with great healthcare, that if you have a sore throat, you go to urgent care and you're seen by a doctor in 20 minutes. And that's just not going to be possible anymore. Pretty much every element of the system, which is not acute care, is going to have to contract because we're going to need to send masks from places like CDMD to hospitals. We're going to need to send masks from from dentists. We're going to need some need to send some of those personnel. Um, some of the personnel in places like uh, urgent care are, are also now suffering from coronavirus, and so um, there'll be less availability there. And it, it really means that everything that's not urgent has to wait. So annual physicals are going to have to wait. Uh, knee replacement surgery is going to have to wait. And um, things which are urgent but um, don't r- rise to the level of, of life-threatening as much as possible need to be um, handled through a phone and telemedicine. So, you know, if your kid has a case of strep throat, um, I think your first step should be try and access the doc via phone or telemedicine. And, you know, we might be in a world where that doctor's going to say, we can't have you come in, we can't deal with getting a strep uh, culture right now, so I'm just going to prescribe you a course of antibiotics. Um, it's probably a safe bet. That's what you need. 
those are the kinds of new decision making that we're going to have to adapt to and um, it's just important that everybody play their part in leaving medical resources for people who are truly in crisis. Councilmember, uh, as you mentioned, our picture of how bad things are, how bad they're going to get changes day to day, maybe even hour to hour. But yesterday in his press conference, the governor said a couple of interesting things. One, he said that he thought the peak was going to come earlier and be higher than expected, which is is largely bad news, but it does mean that the timeline is is advancing. And he also said that in kind of a grim remark that basically we've done everything we can. We've shut down the schools. We've told the non-essential people to stay home from work. Um, what do you think the timeline looks like? And do you think we have exhausted all our options in terms of social control, or are there remaining levers we could pull if in a couple of days it seems like things have gone exponentially worse? Yeah, the, the consensus seems to be that we're on a pretty fast timeline. And I just mentioned that one statistic about a doubling of hospital admissions every four days. Uh, you extrapolate that a couple of weeks, and it's pretty scary. Um, and I, I do think we're probably a week away from feeling like the hospitals are, um, are really getting overwhelmed. At that point, I think it will probably be appropriate to start using that word. And that if you have a doubling, a further doubling, uh, four days after that and another four days after that, uh, it's going to be pretty tough for New Yorkers. Um, and so it does seem like we had been talking about an early May peak and now looks more like mid-April uh, seems to be more realistic. But that won't be the end of the crisis. And... You know, you asked about what more we can do. Um, I'm definitely worried that people will loosen up a bit on social distancing as they get word, perhaps, that the number of people on ventilators is dropping or the pace of growth is dropping. I'm worried that as the weather gets warmer, people will stream out into public spaces like parks. Um, I'm worried that because everything of everything else we're talking about, people will forget you still have to wash your hands uh, frequently. And uh, I, I do think we have to be really aggressive on that. I'm, I'm worried about the number of people in parks. This week has been mostly bad weather, and so probably not a good test of that. But certainly over the weekend, um, it was worrisome level of crowds. I, I believe we should shut down the playgrounds. It's, it's a very tough decision to make. But I, I just think that it's almost impossible to have social distancing in playgrounds and also all the touching of surfaces worries me some. Um, so I'm, I'm continuing to call for that. I, I do think solo exercise outside is still appropriate. We want people to remain healthy, and it does appear that people who are otherwise more healthy are better able to resist the, the disease. So we've got to all continue to, to protect our health in terms of exercise and diet and sleep and all of that. Um, but solo exercise is one thing. Uh, volleyball games is another. And team sports have already officially been banned. There's been a lot of violations of that. Um, basketball, volleyball, uh, soccer, there's been a lot of reports of that already this week, post-ban. And so that has to be enforced, and it's going to be on uh, PEP officers and police officers to do that. Uh, not not, not in, a, in an overly aggressive way, I hope, but the message has to be forcefully delivered. Um, you know, I'm a proponent of closing down streets so that... Um, we can uncross some of our sidewalks, but 
uh, we've also got to say that's not a free pass to start having block parties. Uh, right, that is right. only to spread out so that when you've got to do your errands and go to the pharmacy that you have room to be six feet or more from other people. And, and of course, for solo exercise as well, that'd be fine. But, uh, you know, I think New Yorkers are going to have to deal with the fact that um, getting the extra space on streets is not a license to congregate. It's, it's actually purely to enable social distancing. Right. Well, uh, Councilmember Levine, we're going to uh, unfortunately have to leave it there. We're going to talk education with our next guest and how the beginning of remote learning has gone for the city schools and, and what to watch for there. But um, thank you for some additional insights on, on mostly on the public health battle uh, the city is facing here. And uh, and we wish you good health, of course. And then, of thank course, uh, everyone else out there. And, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Thank you both for having me on, and I wish you and your listeners that you all remain safe and healthy. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you.